Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Figure It Out podcast with me, Chandler Collins. College basketball edition tonight on a Tuesday. Our good pal, friend of the program, college basketball analyst Garrett uh, had to had to get the bag last night. Had to work, uh, so we pushed it back a day. And really, I think we actually needed that day because what a Monday we had last night after an unbelievable weekend. To my knowledge, I have five buzzer beaters written down here. Um, I, I'm curious to see if there were more. Um, I know there's actually one more that I have written down here on the women's side that we got to talk about because I actually found myself watching the entire Iowa-Indiana women's basketball game on Sunday afternoon. Don't ask me why, but I did, and it was uh, it was a phenomenal basketball game. It really was. But a um, lot to talk about. Skip, as I said. Joining us this evening, let's hear from the kid. Skeeby, how are you, buddy? Yes, sir, bro. I'm good as always, man. Glad to be here. Uh, like you said, we have some crazy buzzer beaters from this uh, last weekend of college hoops. We got Selection Sunday coming up on March 12th, only a couple weeks away. Uh, today is currently the last day of February, so uh, tomorrow is officially the beginning of the madness in March. Yeah. Cannot wait. Can't get it here quick enough. We got some uh, some of the lower level uh, conferences already starting their conference tournaments, which is very exciting. And uh, yeah, man, I just cannot wait to see what's gonna what's gonna co- go down in these next couple weeks, man. Exciting times. Well, let's get right into it, Skip. And speaking of um, the madness of March, we had a little appetizer the last weekend of February because was there some madness around? Let's start with the first buzzer beater that I saw this weekend, um, and it was a huge bubble matchup. Both of these teams have a legit chance to make the tournament. I think that one of them's in Michigan and Wisconsin. Um, I think Wisconsin's in, but Michigan really needed this win big time, and what a freaking shot by Hunter Dickinson on the right wing, right in front of his bench. Uh, he, You know, he's been a – He's been a versatile player his entire career. I would not say that I expect him to hit a 30-foot three. <laughs> I think he could hit a three up at the line or at the top of the key, which is a good shot, important shot. But what a moment for a, a staple of college basketball over the last couple of years and really kind of forgotten about this year. Kid's an absolute baller. They end up winning 87-79 in OT. I mean, if you're Wisconsin – how do you win in that environment and overtime there, Skip? I mean, everybody in the building knows Michigan's situation. Um, that shot goes in. You just, I just knew Michigan was going to win at the end of the day. Dude, talk about just two historic programs going at it. Uh, yeah. Two historic programs that have had phenomenal success in the tournament. Um, Wisconsin and Michigan, man, just both hard-nosed teams. And you can just tell these teams absolutely hate each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, they absolutely cannot stand each other. Huge rivalry in the Big Ten. Uh, very interesting. Uh, you know, Joe Lenardi, he's a busy man this time of the year. Yeah. Uh, gotta love the the bracketology with uh, all the last four ins, first four outs, next four outs, you know, on the bubble, you name it. Uh, very interesting that the uh, he currently, on the bubble, has the last four in being Wisconsin – and the first four out being Michigan. So, like you just said, man, Michigan absolutely had to have that game to give themselves a chance. And uh, it's really interesting to see this time of year, man. 
you know, one or two possessions in a game can absolutely change the entire season for, for some of these programs. And uh, if Michigan, you know, if Michigan loses that game, they're probably don't have any chance of making the tournament. So it's uh, just absolutely craziness, man. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Michigan's able to make a run in the big 10 tournament. Two top teams were fell victim to um, buzzer beater victories this past weekend in the Miami Hurricanes and the Arizona Wildcats. Let's start in the desert. Arizona State, half-court heave, the absolute definition um, to, to down Arizona. No big deal for Arizona, in my opinion. But Arizona State, with that win, has now moved themselves into a position to potentially get into the tournament. A team that... A, a, not really a basketball school, not really an anything school, but when they're around, like it's kind of cool because you kind of forget about Arizona State. I mean, I don't remember the last time they were in the tournament, but huge shot for for their for their team and uh, the Sun Devils making some noise out west. Arizona, it's fine, it's no big deal. Yes, sir. Lenardi currently has Arizona State as the last four in, so massive shot for them. Yeah. I mean, that was an insane shot, dude. That was from way downtown, way past half court. Yeah, and I actually – I didn't see this one live, so I had to go back and watch the highlights. But they were back and forth all game. I mean, yes. it really could have gone either way, and it literally did. <laughs> and, Chan, some of these some of these buzzer beaters even, uh, you know, they were down 88-86. So, yeah. he makes that shot, and they win by one. Right. So – Obviously, it's still crazy if the game was tied, but the fact that they were down and he hits that shot just makes it even crazier. That's what makes the Dickinson one even crazier because it was a three to tie. <laughs> yeah. it, it only sent it to overtime, so yep. it it didn't well, have it. Kind of, you're kind of right. It didn't really have that same feel in a way. It was a sweet feeling because it was like, oh my god, they're going overtime. But the the Arizona State one was sick. And so was the Florida State one. We'll get to that one. They win 85-84, same situation. Um, and they had a half-court heave. <laughs> Just in, in that place erupted the Battle of Florida, I guess you call it. And what's interesting about both these buzzer beaters is that they were the battle of their respective states. Yes, Florida correct. State, Miami, Arizona State, Arizona. Um, the Florida State one, that's – kind of a bad loss in my opinion for Miami and it sucks to say that because because of the because of the situation pardon me but Florida State's bad <laughs> and I watched them play last night against North Carolina and North Carolina smacked them who we'll get to them in a minute they had a big weekend big time we'll talk about them but um it's it's tough to say that because Miami is literally a second away from winning the game, but they didn't. And um, not not that I'm really putting that much stock into it, but it just kind of sucks for them. And honestly, Chan, that's uh, that's truly the beauty of sports and what makes it, you know, so special. Because a team like Florida State, I mean, they're eight and twenty on the season, yeah. And that guy hits that shot, like you said, battle of the states, huge game. Obviously, either way no matter what their record is. Um, and that's obviously a game that both those teams are never going to forget for the rest of their lives. Um, I mean, just absolutely gut-wrenching for uh, for Miami to be on the losing end of that. And, uh, you know, Florida State, like I said, even though they're 8-20, and 20, that's just an insanely, <laughs> insanely dope shot to hit. And, 
Um, they're obviously going crazy and, uh, you know, damn near acting like they won the national title in that moment. <laughs> yeah. How can you blame them? But it's, uh, that's just, that's just the beauty of sports right there, man. It, it's, it's so awesome to see stuff like that. Our third respective battle of the state matchup, TCU versus Texas tech. TCU keeps their hopes alive for a top, uh, national seed. I think, I, I, if I remember correctly, Lenardi had him around like a six or a seven. That's good for the Horn Frogs, um, especially coming out of the Big Twelve. And I guarantee you, with this win, they probably move up a little bit, and they could probably make some noise in the Big Twelve tourney. Um, I saw side note from the game. I saw if they had a projected uh, Big Twelve tournament bracket right now. If the season ended today, last night during the Baylor Oklahoma State game. And TCU would be playing K-State in the first round of the Big 12 tournament, a game that TCU can easily win. Um, so they can – they they really helped themselves. They did it a different way. They got fouled and sank two free throws to win. <laughs> I mean, just that <laughs> – if you're a Texas Tech Red Raider fan, you are livid this week until you play again. Tonight against the Kansas Jayhawks, which good luck, Red Raiders. But – um. TCU, I really like them. They are tough and physical. I would describe them as Jamie Dixon kind of brought that Pittsburgh mentality down to Fort Worth, and it seems to work for them. And ever since he's been there in a really difficult basketball conference, they've had good seasons, um, and especially here recently. So huge win for the Frogs. And the last one we'll get to, this one is a complete flip of what the the, the last four San Diego State, number 22 in the country, playing really good basketball, downs New Mexico. And why I said it's a complete reverse is because New Mexico had this game won. <laughs> and this would have really gotten them into the the pretty much the bubble. Uh, they really needed a, a big quad one win, and I think they were going to be in good shape. And San Diego State throws the inbounds in. Um, they're up, they're down. It's 71-70. They throw the inbound under the basket. They dribble all the way down, pull up, cash, top of the key. And it was nasty. Um, and it was at New Mexico, which honestly makes it even better. Skip? Man, so I got to be honest. I did not actually see that one. I, I saw every single one of the other ones that you mentioned. I did not see that one. Um, so I can't weigh in too much on it. But I will say uh, – you know, obviously you love hitting a shot like that at home with the yeah. home crowd behind you and everyone's going absolutely bonkers, but it is also just stone cold to hit a shot like that on the road and just absolutely silence the crowd um, in a must win game. You know, that's just, that's, that's one for the books right there. So yeah. you got to love to see it. The fact that there were so many buzzer beaters this weekend, man, it just, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's awesome to see. And, um, you know, it really just proves how unpredictable college basketball really is, man. I mean, you never know what you're going to get. And, uh, and, uh, quick, quick little side note here, Chan, we mm -hmm. actually did, uh, another one that I, that I had written down as well, um, was Bellerman. Bellerman beat, uh, North Florida 76, 74 on a very friendly bounce on a fadeaway jumper on the baseline. And this was actually in the first round of the uh, of the Atlantic Sun Conference tournament. Yeah. So, um, 
absolutely massive game must win uh this is super cool uh for me to be able to watch this in a way because um uh, i actually did play bellarmine whenever i was at uh whenever i was at jewel oh they yeah were, they were in our conference um so we played them several times and uh they were probably easily one of the best basketball teams I have ever played in my entire life. I mean, just an absolute well-oiled machine. And they had a very unfortunate situation last year, if you can remember, uh, when they won the conference tournament to obviously get an automatic bid into the NCAA tournament. But they actually did not get granted that because that was the year that they switched from D2 to D1. And for whatever reason... Um, the NCAA said that they couldn't, they couldn't do that. I have no idea why. I have no idea the rules behind that. But even though they won the conference tournament to get an automatic bid, they did not make the conference tournament. And the team that they beat ended up going to the conference, er, excuse me, the team that they beat ended up going to the national tournament. Yeah. So pretty insane situation there. Uh, really, uh, really cool to see Bellarmine having such good success at the D1 level. Um, and going to be very interesting to see if they can make another run in their conference tournament and uh, hopefully be able to get an automatic bid this time and actually be able to go to the tournament. Well, not to get too deep in the NCAA rulebook, but the reason that Bellarmine is not allowed to go to postseason play outside of their conference tournament is because when a when an NCAA institution moves up a division, and so Bellarmine made the jump from two to one. Yep. There's a four-year transition period. Um, I don't know why that is. That's a deeper part of the rule book, but I do know that there is the rule. Um, so I can't get too much into that, but I know that we um, we're actually having this conversations about OVC schools um, because we have one, we have two actually, Lindenwood and um, Southern Indiana, former GLVC members, I believe. Correct. Yep. Um, they are now in the Ohio Valley, which is Division One, obviously. Um, so they are excluded from being able to receive the automatic qualifier as well uh, for the uh, for the NCAA tournament. So that kind of answers it. Um, and speaking of the Ohio Valley, Skip, you went mid major, so let me throw a mid major at you. <laughs> Saturday, Lindenwood takes on Little Rock, men's hoops in St. Charles. Winner, not every team in the Ohio Valley gets to go to the conference tournament. Winner of Lindenwood and Little Rock goes to the OVC conference tournament in Evansville, Indiana, starting tomorrow. Lindenwood <laughs> Lindenwood dribbles down with like nine seconds left, uh, clock winding down, nails a three, wins, no time left on the clock. Going to the going to the OVC tournament, dude. Literally, it was that is absolutely nuts. Yeah. <laughs> that so, is absolutely crazy. It it truly was the weekend of uh of buzzer beaters, Chan. I mean, I don't mean to get too off again, brother, but uh, you know, I actually sent this in our group chat, our group text that we have with all of our homies. Uh, I'm playing in a men's league game with my friends uh, yeah. on Sunday night, and a dude for our team hits one at the buzzer. Dude, we were down two again. Another one in which we were down two. Guy for uh, for our team hits a three at the buzzer. Ball goes through the net as the horn goes off. Just 
absolutely electric feeling man but uh yeah enough about that it was just it was an awesome weekend of buzzer beaters <laughs> let's get to uh the let's get to some big games garrett from this past weekend i want to start in the big 10 number 17 indiana completes the season sweep of purdue number five purdue 79 71 and it was the exact same story that we've been telling about purdue all year um and really the same story from their first matchup in bloomington um zach Eady 26 and 16 but the rest of his team nowhere to be found they were they shot five of 23 from three that's just not going to get it done in indiana they had all of their role players step up massively their leading scorer listen to this name garrett Jalen Hood Shafino goes for 35 for the Hoosiers. Trace Jackson Davis was the, there were four Indiana Hoosiers that scored in double figures and Trace Jackson Davis scored the least amount of those four. So you have four guys in double figures and Purdue on the flip side has two guys go for double digits. There's just no way Purdue can win these basketball games. I'm just, I'm just not seeing it. This has been the recipe all year. And prove me wrong, but I think they could be a very easy, very early exit in the NCAA tournament. I could not agree anymore, Chan. We've been saying it all year. You got to have a balanced attack. You can't rely on one guy. Teams are going to, you know, hone in on their game plan. They're going to know what to do going into the game uh, in a tournament setting. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, the guy goes for 26 and 16. That's an absolutely dominant game. And uh, the next guy for Purdue had 14 points. And then, like you said, man, they other than that, they did not have a single guy in double figures. You know, you just cannot be that top heavy on your team. You got to have balance across the board and you got to be versatile. So I couldn't agree more, Chan. I, I could uh, I could see Purdue. I don't I don't know if I can go as far as first round exit, but I would I could definitely see them getting bounced second round for sure. I mean, we're talking about a team that has the potential to be a one seed, and I just don't see that. I really don't. I think they're going to be a two, and if they keep if they continue to slide here, which I'm now, you know, I'm, I'm not harping on them because they are a good basketball team. When they're hitting shots, they're dangerous. But as of recently, the recipes out there how to beat these guys, and um, they could fall down to like a two or a three seed if they don't have a good Big Ten tournament, in my opinion. Let's move forward to a team that has – some aspirations of a very high seed um, and a team we haven't talked about in a couple of weeks. I don't think uh, the Kansas state Wildcats, the 14th ranked Kansas state Wildcats get a huge win in Stillwater, um, a game they were down all game, basically to Oklahoma state. They come back and win 73, 68 Marquise Noel. We talked about him early in this show. He is an unbelievable basketball player. Um, uh, he just I, I I don't know if they're he won't win the MVP or whatever of the year the player of the year but if there's a guy who's more important to his team than him I you show him to me because goes for 22 points he's the smallest guy on the floor and he led the team in rebounds with five um and that doesn't sound like a lot but for like a 511 guard to get five rebounds in amongst the trees and lead your team in rebounding and your team win that shows a lot about the kid. Cats three in a row. They beat Iowa State uh, 
a couple games ago. They sweat. They completed the sweep of Baylor, who is playing really good basketball, and then they pick up another win against Oklahoma State. Um, their biggest thing, Garrett, is they can score. Um, and when they're on, they are on the shot 49%. I think it was like 49.4, so roughly 50% from the field. That's going to be tough to beat come tournament time. Uh, 38% from the three and on the road, nonetheless, um, in a really difficult environment, Gallagher-Iba. That is an underrated basketball gym that people should have on their bucket list, in my opinion, because I've never been. I want to go really bad. Um, huge win for the Cats. Last thing I'll say. Keontae Johnson, um, what a story he is too, man. Uh, he's If there's a comeback player of the year in the NCAA, he has to win it. Um, he goes for 17 points and five boards. This is a complete team with some scores at all three levels, and I don't think that any team wants to play K-State, in my opinion. I agree 100%, Chan, and I believe that Marquise Noel is leading the Big 12 in double-doubles this year, I want to say. Um, I think uh, Fran Fischilla said that on a game a couple weeks ago. And, um, yeah, man, I mean, he he just does a little bit of everything. He shoots the ball from way downtown. Yeah. I mean, he is not afraid to shoot it from anywhere on the court. Um, so you got to pick him up early. Uh, he, he passes the ball really well. Uh, that's where he gets majority of his double-doubles is from points and assists. And uh, like you said, man, whenever uh, – small point guard like that can get in there and, and grab five rebounds. That's huge because, um, you know, if, if he's grabbing the board and then he can lead the break, um, that's, that just helps their transition offense drastically. Um, and then Keontae Johnson, man, he's just a, he's a playmaker. He's a dog for sure. He's been, uh, been really, really consistent all year long. Um, you know, like you said, 17 points a game, he shoots the ball at a high percentage, 52%, um, averaging about seven rebounds a game. So, you know, you, you got to have your best players step up at this time of the year. And uh, K-State is uh, – they're, they're a gritty team, man. You know, if they could uh, if they could really catch some steam in the Big 12 tournament, watch out for them because, I, like you said, I would not want to play K-State in the tournament. Virginia – Loses on the road to North Carolina, 71 to 63. Huge win for North Carolina here. Um, quad one win for sure. Virginia, we'll start with them, I guess. They're fine. They just couldn't hit shots. Like we talked about last week, their defense will travel no matter what. Like you're going to have to beat them. They're not going to beat themselves. That's exactly what happened um, this weekend for North Carolina, who got themselves back in the mix and They'll never say it, but the the committee, if those big-name teams are around and they're winning games enough to make them still relevant, like a game like this, they're going to find a way to get North Carolina in the tournament. There is no way you can tell me differently. But right now, I think Carolina kind of deserves it. They crushed Florida State last night. They score not really indicative of the game, in my opinion. North Carolina led from start to finish and were up big at half. Um, but against Virginia, they had guys outside of their number, their one and two, Baycott and Caleb Love, really carry this team. R.J. Davis, really versatile, athletic uh, forward. He goes for 16 and 10, double-double. They were led in scoring by Peter Nance, who I watched last night for really the first time, um, like really watched. Uh, he moves really well without the basketball, and he has a nice stroke. He went for 22. He led the game for scoring. Um, 
But it all comes down to Armando and and Caleb Love. Uh, first off, I love Caleb Love. Shout out St. Louis because it's kind of sick to see kids from Missouri thrive. Um, he goes for ten and eight, but he just is kind of like a Marquise Noel for K State. Like he he makes this team go, and he's very capable of scoring thirty. In my opinion, this kid is really special. I think um, because. Or Baycott didn't have the greatest day. I mean, eleven point six boards. But if you're saying that's that's not great, then that means he's just an absolute stud. Um, he played a lot better last night. But Garrett, I know you don't want to hear it, but North Carolina, they're going to be a tough out for Duke on Saturday. One hundred percent, man. And uh, you know they weren't the preseason number one team uh, going into this year for no reason. They obviously have a a lot of returning guys from their team last year. Uh, the team in which they made it to the national championship and lost to Kansas should have beat Kansas. They were up uh, 15 in the national title game and gave that game away. But uh, yeah, I mean, UNC has got to be without a doubt, in my opinion, the biggest surprise of this season. Um, you know, really weird to not uh, to see them not really in the mix uh, for being a, a top seed in the tournament, but I'm right there with you, man. You know, I, I've, uh, I said it a couple weeks ago on the show, uh, in regards to Kentucky, I think that uh, I think that I UNC, that. yeah, I think that UNC is in that same boat. If they're playing good basketball heading into March, I don't think that there's any way that you can keep them out of the tournament. Um, you you would like to think that the uh, committee bases that not just solely on their name, um, the fact that they are North Carolina, but. Uh, you know, you, you can't really deny that, man. <laughs> uh, they're they're going to do that either way, even if they say that they don't. But, um, yeah, man, obviously a huge matchup with Duke on, on Saturday. Really hoping uh, my Blue Devils can pull that one off. That'd be a huge win for us as well. Um, cannot wait to see what that rivalry is going to be like. Duke got the best of them the first time around. Um, this one, uh, this upcoming weekend is at UNC. So uh, going to be a really, really good matchup, and I cannot wait for that. But, um, yeah, man, I, I think that uh, North Carolina is really, really good. They obviously have, like I said, a lot of returning players. They have uh, a really, really good coach. As much as I hate to admit it, Hubert Davis is a really good coach. Um, you can tell that he's a very good players coach. His players respect him a lot. Um, so, you know, even though they are North Carolina, man, I, I got to give respect when when uh, when credits due. Yeah. Um, Skip, let's wrap. I'm going to rapid fire some teams and some games that I have categorized as survival because some of these teams um, narrowly escaped with a win, and only uh, only one of them did the other team really not have that much of a chance to win, but we'll, we'll let's do it real quick. And then I, what I want you to do is I want you to give us a, uh, I want you to give us a Duke rundown. Um, and then we'll, we'll close the show out with some bubble talk. So let's do it. First up, uh, number two, Bama survives on the road in Fayetteville, 86, 83, Brandon Miller goes for 24 points. I'm, we're not going to talk about the, uh, the incident or whatever is going on with him, but I do want to talk about, his the introduction thing dude like come on man like read the room <laughs> did you see that yeah, Garrett? that was a, 
that was as bad as it gets, man. And Dude, uh, like, and, you know, and people are like saying that he's an 18 year old kid, like, and I get it. And I'm not going to sit here and talk bad about an athlete because we all make mistakes. But man, that just seems really dumb. Um, just given the whole scenario and the situation, and and you do that pregame intro, like nobody was going to see that, especially when you're in enemy territory. Um, but. The kid's an unbelievable basketball player, and Alabama is really good, really scary, right, Skip? Yeah. Um, apparently, to try and cover it up, they said that he's been doing that intro all season long, in quotes. Yeah. Um, but like you said, man, you got to read the room. You cannot be doing that whenever he's going through all all the uh, stuff that he's going through right now. And obviously, man, your your thoughts and prayers go out to every single person involved in the situation. Um, just a really horrible, horrible situation to uh, be going through for all the all the people and all the families that are involved in that. Uh, you really just do hope that uh, Brandon Miller will be okay and that everything uh, that's being speculated is not true, and and you hope that it won't affect his draft stock going into the uh, going into the NBA. But um, yes, man, I've been very high on Bama all season long. Um, I think that they are one of uh, the best, if not the best team in the entire nation. Um, they just score the ball at such a high clip, Chan. Yeah. I mean, it seems like every game they're scoring in the 80s or the 90s. And if you can score with that high of efficiency, you're going to be really, really tough to beat. And uh, Brandon Miller is just, he's an absolute stud, man. He's uh, super fun to watch. Uh, goes for 24 points again. Um, huge win against Arkansas, the really close game, really hard fought battle. Um, but Brandon Miller, man, he just, he scores in all different ways. He can shoot the three. He's, uh, he gets to the mid range. He can go inside and, uh, shoot it out of the post. He has really good handles. Um, he's a good passer. I mean, he just, he just does it all, man. He's, uh, he's going to be a very, very fun player to watch in the NBA for years to come. The Kansas Jayhawks escape Morgantown, West Virginia with a final score of 76-74 over the West Virginia Mountaineers. Um, I hate how much I love Dewan Harris because Dewan Harris should be a bear. He was committed to Missouri State first, um, and somehow, some way, he picked Kansas. Not going to speculate. But um, he's unreal, dude. He's so good. He uh, I He's one of those guys that I, I, I compared – I'll compare him to Mar- Marquise Noel – uh, for K-State as well, um, and a guy that I would say, show me who means more to their team, it could be Dewan Harris. He makes the Kansas Jayhawks go. Um, of course, he has a great supporting cast and, and guys that can make him look really good, but he still has to get them the ball. And honestly, he doesn't shoot enough, but I swear every time he does shoot a three, it goes in. So, like, I don't know if it's because it's the lack of volume you just don't see it as much, but I swear he's a bucket, and he's one of the best smaller guards at finishing at the rim, dude. He is unbelievable at finishing at the rim. Kansas Jayhawks are really good, um, and I don't have anything else on them. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I saw a stat a couple of weeks ago that, uh, like you just said, Dewan Harris is without a doubt the X Factor for KU. Um, I think – I can't remember exactly 100% what it was, but – it was something ridiculous, man. It was like in the losses that Kansas has had this season, he's averaging like seven points a game and shooting like 
twenty percent or some something ridiculous like that. And then in the wins, he's averaging like thirteen or fourteen a game, shooting like forty percent. So I mean, he just he Kansas goes as he goes, and um, you know he just always seems to make the right play, man. He always wow. seems to score when they need uh, when they need him to score the most. He always seems to. Uh, get his guys involved. Get them the ball whenever they need, uh, whenever they need the ball. And he plays really good defense too, man. He's he's out there on the court locking dudes up. He uh, he plays extremely hard. Um, so he is very very fun to watch. And um, you know, Kansas man. I know we've been talking about them all season long in close wins. They just find a way to win. Mm-hmm. I mean. West Virginia is obviously not uh, not the West Virginia team that we've seen in previous years. They're kind of having a down year in their standard, but uh, still, I mean, it's a Big Twelve matchup. You know, you're going to get their their best effort on the road. And, uh, I would I would love to know I would love to know how many uh, how many games Kansas has won um, by by less than five points this season. I mean, it's got to be an oh. astronomical amount of games because it seems like. Every game that they play, it's they're winning by two, three, four points, and they're just they're they're finding ways to win, and that's just that's what a a championship contender team does. And um, and I I actually saw something the other day that said uh, they're looking to become the first repeat national champion uh, since Florida back in two thousand six, two thousand seven. So um, that would be an insane. That would be an insane. I really hope that that doesn't that doesn't happen. Let's not. That would, just be, that, would that would be absolutely sickening. But uh, I mean, they have a legitimate chance to to do so, in my opinion. Yeah, let's not let's not speak that into existence. But I agree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I final game. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> final game survival mode. Uh, watched all this game because I really hadn't watched the cover to cover UCLA game. I think I had watched one earlier in the year but it's different at this time of the year. They win a really impressive game on the road at Colorado. Colorado, not the best team, but fighting for tournament potential. They needed this win really, really bad. That crowd was on fire because the Colorado Buffaloes came out and punched UCLA in the mouth big time. They were up really big in the first half. UCLA stuck in there, took the blows, and came back and won 60 to 56. Um, Jaquez Jr., Jaquez, I don't know which one it is, but either one, he's a stud, 17 points. He's really versatile too. And then Tiger Campbell, another really damn good uh, point guard, makes this team go as kind of the theme of the show, talking about guys that make their teams go and they win these big games. Um, UCLA is really good, and after Arizona's loss, I know it was a buzzer beater, but still, um, they're they are the best team in the Pac-12, Skeeby. They really are. Um, I'm I'm pretty comfortable saying that. I know we said that we were starting to get comfortable saying that last week. I'm in all the way this week. Um, the Bruins are going to be a tough out attorney. Man, Chan, I uh, I usually agree with with everything that you say, man, because uh, you know what they say: great minds think alike. But yep. I don't know, I don't know what it is, brother. I just uh, I still, despite their loss, I still think I'm giving the slight edge to Arizona over UCLA. I really do, and so uh, I I love that we're in that position, man, because then we can really go back and uh, 
uh, like we said, man, I mean, their Pac-12 championship game could very easily be for a one seed in the uh, NCAA tournament, potentially, oh, yeah. depending on what happens with uh, with other, uh, you know, other teams throughout the nation. But that could very easily determine who gets the one seed um, in the uh, in the NCAA tournament, man. So obviously going to be a huge game, huge matchup. Um, but I don't know what it is. Something's just telling me I'm sticking with Arizona. I love it. I hope they beat the Pac-12 championship too, because that'd be good. That'd be great for the pod. Um, <laughs> let's uh, skip. Give us a quick. Uh, give us the quick Duke rundown uh, from your perspective as a fan. Um, big game this week with uh, North Carolina. Do they play tonight against Virginia yeah. Tech? So the yes. listeners will probably listen to this tomorrow. See how accurate you get with it, brother. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And uh, Duke. I don't know. I don't know what their deal is, Chan, this year. Um, you know, some games they look really, really good. Other games they don't look so hot. And uh, you know, I say that, and they're still sitting here at twenty-one and eight, and uh, so still a pretty solid season. Um, but uh, I, I guess as a Duke fan, you know, you're you're used to uh, seeing a little bit better than that. But um, you know, they. Uh, have two huge matchups, one against NC State tonight, and then uh, that one's at uh, the final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium this season. And then uh, we got Saturday at North Carolina. So, um, honestly, Chan, if uh, if we win these last two games, uh, that would put us at six consecutive wins um, to end the season. Now, uh, if I remember correctly, Chan – I believe that our very first episode was uh, was right before they played at Miami. I'm pretty sure. So they lost at Miami, and then they lost at Virginia back-to-back. And then I said on the pod, I said that they needed to probably win at least one of those games. Obviously, you want to win both of those games. If they could have at least won one of those games and then won out for the entire rest of the season, they'd be sitting pretty. Um, so if we do end up, uh, 23 and eight, I think that that'd be a really, really good, uh, strong finish to the end of the season for us. Mm-hmm. Cause like I said, man, we've, uh, we've been dealing with a lot of injuries all season long. Um, again, another, another energizer bunny for us, the guy that makes us go, man, Jeremy Roach, he is really, really good, really good point guard, very similar to Dewan Harris in the sense of, uh, he just knows when to take over the game. He knows. We just, uh, you know, Duke is a very young team, as they are every single year. So you just hope and pray that these guys have enough experience and have enough confidence that they can go into uh, any environment and play any team and and uh, be able to play their best. And I already know that John Shire is, uh, he's for sure a great coach, and he's going to have a lot to prove this season with it being his very first year. So, you know, he's going to be fired up and and uh, hopefully he can get the guys rolling. Hopefully uh, it'd be really, really nice if we could uh, go out and win the ACC tournament this year. That would be massive um, because I believe Lenardi has us right now as like a six or a seven, Ooh. but which would be really, really tough. Um, 
but who knows, man? You know, if we come out and win the the uh, ACC tournament, we can maybe slip up there into like a five or a six seed and and uh, and see what happens. But um, you know, they have a lot of playmakers on the team. It's just a matter of uh, of them, you know, stepping up. To be honest with you, and hopefully Jeremy Roach, he's the one that that has the most experience on the team. He's the guy that's been there, done that. Uh, hopefully, he can just rally the troops and uh, and get his guys going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really, really uh, curious to see how this matchup Saturday goes, considering what happened in the last one. Um, it should be awesome. But it feels like Duke really always plays well in Chapel Hill. Um, and so I think a season sweep is on is all to play for Saturday. I think Duke can absolutely win. Um, so we'll be curious to see how how we feel Monday for – for our boy Skeeby. Let's wrap up the show with a little bubble talk. Uh, it's that time of the year. Teams fighting to get in. Got three written down here, in which and I think all three of them are pretty much in the tournament, but the, it, their stories are all interesting. And we're going to start with the, the biggest one first. The Kentucky Wildcats, man. If you would have said three, four weeks ago, a month ago, that they were going to be in this position. Um, I think people would have laughed at you. They're third in the SEC, Skip. This team, people had written them off earlier this this season. Um, they dominated Auburn, 86-54. And sorry to our guy, Cole Albright. I know we talk about it a lot on the show, but Auburn has just fallen off a cliff. I don't think they make the tournament, but they might. Um, they they had some early, early success and They've got some wins on their resume. They need a big SEC tournament run, but Kentucky has completely turned around their season, in my opinion. Sheboy goes for 22 points. He's an absolute stud. He's kind of like Hunter Dickinson. I don't know why, but he's kind of been out of the spotlight this season, the reigning uh, player of the year out of the spotlight. But um, they've won four in a row. Like I said, they're third in the SEC. Their last four, Mississippi State, they beat Tennessee at home. Uh, they beat Florida and they beat Auburn. They swept Tennessee this season. Um, that win at home was was the completion of the sweep. So this team is going to the tournament. I think they're in today, um, in my opinion. And they're going to be really, really difficult, Garrett. <laughs> 100%, man. And, and I know I've thrown these numbers out there a lot today, but uh, I've been checking them a lot recently leading up to this episode. And uh, I believe that Lenardi actually has them down as a six seed right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that would be uh, one of the tougher six seeds without a doubt. Um, I mean, you knew that Kentucky was struggling for for majority of the year this year. You knew that they were going to figure it out at some point. They're just too good of a program, too good of a team. They have too good of a coach. Um, and like you said, man, the fact that Oscar Sheboy was the reigning national player of the year and we really haven't heard about him all that much this season. Not no. not a lot of people have been giving him uh, a lot of uh, a lot of praise or a lot of credit, but he's still a dominant player. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, they're they're the type of team um, that uh, they play really really good defense. Obviously, with Oscar Sheboy, man in the middle, um, they're going to dominate the glass in majority of the games that they play. And we say this all the time, Chan, defense and rebounding, that always travels. Um, And you're going to find your offense one way or the other, hopefully. But uh, if you can play solid defense 
and uh, and rebound the basketball, you're going to have a chance to win every single game. So um, the fact that they've beat Tennessee twice uh, this season, they have a couple of other um, really marquee wins. Uh, I know a couple weeks ago they almost beat Kansas um, yeah. at the Big 12 SEC uh, challenge. They almost beat Kansas at home. And so, um, I mean, Kentucky's really good, man. Kentucky's legit. Uh, and, and like I said, uh, there's no way that Kentucky, and in my opinion, there's no way North Carolina is not going to make the tourney. I think they're both, they're both shoe ins in my opinion. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, uh, we've been talking a lot on the show about the, uh, about the SEC and how good it's been this season. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see what they're able to do in the SEC tournament. Next up. Garrett, they're back, dude. The Providence Friars, the Figure It Out Pump, Figure It Out Pod's own Providence Friars. Three out of their last four, they dominated Georgetown on Sunday. Which, of course, I know Georgetown's not good, but man, uh, I love Jared Bynum. That's our guy. He was our guy last year. He's our guy this year. Leads his team in assists per game at four and a half. That's a facilitator if I've ever seen one. And their leading scorer is is Bryce Hopkins. They is for me, Providence, I'm saying these names because they just can come at you from all different angles. Bryce Hopkins, 16.4 points per game, eight and a eight point eight rebounds per game. Um they're all over the glass. Um and they can they really they're just a sound basketball team. They're a team that can really score and they don't beat themselves. They're kind of in my opinion now Virginia's better don't get me wrong, Virginia's better, but Providence is kind of a worse version of, of Virginia, and they can score better. So, like, I think you kind of, you know, cut your losses, but I like this Providence Friars team, Skip, and uh, they're going to be really good in the tourney. They have a chance to win the Big East tournament, in my opinion. Um, they, uh, I think tournaments are so predicated on your guard play. And mm-hmm. Providence's guards are really damn good. Now Marquette's are really damn good too. But um, today's a, a Friar day, so Providence Friar. I love how uh, how you're all in on Providence, man. It's so cool to see. Yeah, it's uh, you kind of just you kind of rally around uh, around teams that uh, you know. Again, Providence. I, I haven't gotten a chance to watch them at all on on TV this year because they're not they're really not in the national spotlight a lot. Not a lot of people talk about them, but you just, you love those teams that just stay consistent, man. They're sitting there at 21 and eight, um, really, really good basketball team. And they have experience. They have returners um, that again, that they, they made a good run in the tournament last year. Uh, I know that I should know this, but do you know how far they went in the tournament last year? Do you remember? I don't think we want to reveal it, Garrett. I'm almost 99% sure they were a second-round exit. Well, okay. Um, besides that, you know, <laughs> they – they. Uh, we're not saying still... that out loud. We're not saying that out loud, but I think. Yeah, correct. No, they're, they're a really good team, man. Um, the Big East, dude. The Big East is just a dogfight of a conference, man. Yep. A lot of good teams. Um, I mean, you got Marquette. You got Providence. You got – Creighton, you got Villanova. I mean, those are all really, really solid teams. So um, the fact that Providence was able to uh, to manage 
over 20 wins this year and they're second in the big east yeah um so uh really really solid season from them man uh you always love to uh to cheer for teams like this uh and they their name bro the friars that's a sick name it is. I know we talk. We I know we talk about individual player names a lot, but uh, the Providence Friars. That is a. It's an awesome team name. Yeah, I don't think there's any other Friars in the country. Uh, they're the only ones. I was um, gonna say I don't think I've ever heard of a sports team named the Friars. <laughs> no. And speaking of another kind of cool mascot, where there are more, there are more of this mascot than Friars, but not that many more. The Florida Atlantic Owls. Got to give a little shout out to the mid major to wrap up the show. Um, they're twenty six and three. <laughs> they can finish the season twenty eight and three. Um, and I was reading on a bracketology report this afternoon that they have work to do. I don't care where you are or what you do. If you're in Division One and you go twenty eight and three, I think you should be in. <laughs> I mean, that is an impressive season and a season that that uh should be awarded for going to the NCAA tournament, but um, their clearest path is when the tourney, when their conference tourney and they'll be in, which I think they will do, but it's March, dude. And the Florida Atlantic Owls deserve to be in, in this tournament. No, I couldn't agree with you anymore, Chan. And I'm really glad that you brought this point up uh, because that's a very interesting topic. Um, you know, the, the dynamic of, uh, the conference that you play in, it, it just has such a big effect on, on um, you know, how the community, how the committee views you as a team. Um, for instance, you know, there are some teams uh, like in Arizona state who I believe, I think that they have 20 wins now um, after their huge win against uh, Arizona. But uh, you got teams like Arizona state who are a really good team. You know, they're sitting there like 20 and eight on the season. Um, and then you got teams like, uh, like Iowa state who's like 17 and 12 now. And, uh, I was looking at the, at the, uh, projected teams today and like Iowa state's in and, uh, and Arizona state was out. And it's yeah. like, dude, how can a team that's 17 and 12 be in over a team that's, you know, 21 or 28, 20 and eight type of thing. And it all just comes down to the conference and the quality of wins that they have. And it's unfortunate for some teams because, you know, on one hand, it, it does make sense because, um, you know, even though Iowa State is a team that's they're currently 17 and 12. I mean, they have really, really good wins against teams like uh, I'm looking at it right now. Teams like Kansas. They got uh, wins against Baylor, Texas, K-State, TCU twice. I mean, so obviously a team like Iowa State's a really good team, mm-hmm. but as you just mentioned, there's no way that a team that's 28 and three should not be in the tournament. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. The Owls, they have a lot of momentum, and I think they can win Conference USA. So um, uh, two things to wrap up the show in closing time. I don't, Gary, do you have any more points you need to make? I don't, man. It's, uh, you know, this, this time of year is just, is, uh, really when you find out what teams are really made of, man. Um, that's just what it comes down to. Uh, teams could have started the year extremely strong and, and now they've kind of fallen off the map a little bit, or, 
uh, on the opposite end. Teams could have started out average and, and now they're rolling. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it really just, I know we say this a million times, but it just comes down to who's playing the best basketball at the right time. Yep. Absolutely. Um, to close the show, two other mid-major updates. I just want to give a quick shout out and good luck. Simo Redhawks, both men and women going to the tourney. The men play tomorrow against uh, Lindenwood in the uh, five, the five, the five-eight matchup. Um, mm-hmm. And the Simo women will play on Thursday. I'll be going to Evansville myself. We will play the winner of Moorhead State and UT Martin, who play tomorrow. Um, SEMO women basketball has split both series this season, winning uh, one against both teams. So this will be the rubber match between whoever they play. And then in Arch Madness, the Missouri State Bears take on the Illinois-Chicago Flames tomorrow. Need a big Bears win. They close the season with a big win against Indiana State, who, by the way, shout out, has really nice jerseys, even though Terre Haute is a brutal place to be. Um, I think that's it, Skip. That was the Figure It Out Podcast College Basketball Edition. Leaving you with this, the Figure It Out Pod NCAA Tournament Bracket Challenge. We'll be back. I'm going to wait to get some conference tournaments under the belt so that way we can – kind of get a little bit of a more um, solidified bracket, but we will be doing it this year. So tell your friends, follow us on social media at figure out underscore pod. Skeeby, I appreciate your time, bro. Come on, Red Hawks and come on bears, man. Hopefully they'll get some big wins. Um, That'll be awesome for you to be there. Be, be uh, in that environment, be able to witness that. Uh, Hopefully uh, you guys will pick up a big win and, uh, yeah, man, I cannot wait for the tournament challenge again. I think that uh, last year is a huge success for you. Really, really happy that you had the idea to uh, to do something like that. It was awesome. It was super fun. Highly encourage everyone uh, to uh, to do it. It's just a great time, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see who ends up win- winning that tournament challenge because uh, it's pretty much uh, pretty much written in stone that getting a perfect bracket this year is going to be damn near impossible. So yeah. Um, yeah. we'll uh, we'll see what happens, man. But I'm excited. Uh, can't wait for these next couple weeks, and uh, can't wait to get the uh, the tournament rolling, man. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you later. Yes, sir. Have a good one, Chan. See you, buddy.